Hello and welcome to Audiobook Connection, behind the scenes with the creative teams. I'm Becky Parker Geist and I'm your host. Audiobook Connection is your place to learn about the audiobook creative process in discussions between the authors, narrators, producers, and post-production teams that bring them all together, as well as guests who have listened to the audiobooks and have questions for the creative teams. This podcast is sponsored by Pro Audio Voices, helping great stories come alive through audiobook production and marketing. Today we have with us Jim Wetton, author of Jacob, The Monroe Legacy Begins, book one in the Monroe Family series. Jacob was narrated by Samantha Cooper, and Samantha is joining us as well. So we have with us uh, Samantha Cooper and Jim Wetton. Jim is the author of Jacob, and Samantha is the narrator for that book. And we're going to have some fun just uh, having a conversation here. Sam, why don't you start off? Yeah. Hi. I, yeah, I guess, first of all, I wanted to know, Jim, what kind of what inspired you to write this book or this series, which is it's going to be, or it is. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of history. I always have been a fan of history. And um, I had a, a slight accident in 2009 that ended my career. So I decided that maybe how fun it would be to start writing. So I started writing back then. And it kind of went into something I really, really enjoyed. And so I continued to write and bringing history into a more like a fictional point of view where I can add my own characters into actual historical uh, elements and then see if I can combine the two. And it was actually starting to become really fun. And I thought I'd just pick a, pick a moment in history and add some family members and just continue with one book after the other after the other. I didn't know at the point in time how long or how many episodes or how many editions I would do. Um, I'm up to three now and working on my fourth. But I uh, started with Jacob and at that time period with the Revolutionary War. And uh, just loved to write it and loved to get involved. I actually got involved in the characters quite more than I thought I would ever. So I identified with my characters, and then, then I have a lot of family members in my family that I have identified through those characters. So, so it's just, it was just a lot of fun to write. I have a question I'm really curious about. Every time I read or hear um, historical fiction, I'm always wondering about that. Do you ever find that you're struggling with the decision about how much to fictionalize and how much to keep to historical accuracy as best we know what that is? Actually, that's very true. And a good, good comment is that I, I believe that you can get too fictional with the characters and it kind of makes the historical element a little corny. And so you want to stay pretty much where the history is and where the histor- historical characters as who they were, what they stood for, and where the element uh, the um, times were at the time that uh, you want to make sure that those are pretty, pretty true. And then you throw in the characters and have the characters actually highlight what has ha- what happened in that time period. Right. And how was that for you, Sam, narrating those uh, historical figures? Did that impact you at all in terms of your thinking about doing these characters as opposed to them just being straight up created fictional characters? 
Uh, yeah, I think it made me more nervous <laughs> because I think I was like, I, you know, I mean, I studied the Revolutionary War in that time period, but I can't say that I'm an expert in any means. And so, like, I did a little bit of research, but also I decided I had to make the choice to not do any research because I think when people are living their lives, they're not living, they don't know they're living in this historical context. You know what I mean? So, you know, I felt in order to be true to the characters, it'd be best not to try to, you know, give it any more weight than they are just people, just like us. They just happen to live in this extremely important period of time for our country. So I think, but I was nervous in terms of the historical accuracy of things, especially like with dialect and then, you know, different, and this will lead us to a question we have later, but, you know, all these different historical figures that we all have in our heads, maybe based on media we've seen or things we've read of how they sound, you know, like probably George Washington made me the most nervous. I would say. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's actually so true because we don't know what they actually sounded like. Right. And so it's really up to you to, to focus on the, the narrator part of how am I going to sound as a Thomas Jefferson or as a James Monroe or, or George Washington. I thought you did a fantastic job um, kind of capturing each one of those characters and I know I, one of my questions for you was, how do you keep that through your entire novel of 12 some hours of having <laughs> the same dialect of that character? And I think it would be almost difficult to keep that same pattern, depending on what character you're talking to or talking of. Yes, that is also hard. <laughs> um, but uh, I... I work in animation in another part of my voice career. And um, so I have to keep switching back and forth sometimes with different characters. And I usually have uh, what I call like a way in kind of with dialects of any sort. And so I would um, record references of each character. And then I'd have to sometimes if I was recording on like a different day, I'd have to go back and like listen to that. And then I'd kind of do the way in. Like it was a free, I don't even, to be honest, I don't remember what mine were for each character, but I think like Jefferson was a little bit higher. So he had like kind of a high thing about him and I'd have to find <laughs> that like I could repeat that I would just kind of knock me into that voice. So, so I definitely had some tools and tricks up my sleeve, but I'm sure I have a little folder of like Jacob vocal references that I'm sure like as we move forward in the series, I'll come back to. Yeah, but each one I think was outstanding on each character that you did portray. I think you did an outstanding job and uh, between actually the dialect between characters, then also you stop and you actually narrate part of it as part of the narration of the book. And I think you did a fantastic job of combining the two and blending them so the the audio just ran so smoothly. Oh, well, that's also mastering and editing, which we have fantastic ones. That's not just me. <laughs> so I can't take full credit for that. Um, but yeah, I found it. Uh, and also sometimes I find in like the their personalities dictate their voice, which I think is something that happens with the written word when we have text. So for example, Anne felt super grounded and kind of, um, essential is not the right word, but, um, yeah, I guess grounded is really the best word for Anne, whereas Hannah felt a little bit more, um, flighty and not that she is flighty, but her, um, like daydreaming and more a little bit higher in the clouds than Anne was. And so that I just wanted to portray in voice, A, because that's what I could attribute to them, but also to keep them distinct, you know, because I am only one person. <laughs> Which so. is very, very encouraging because when, when a person's writing, 
you don't know how it's portraying and what kind of uh, character that others are, are hearing. And you picked it up to where Anne was more grounded and Aunt Hannah was more, um, I want to, you know, make sure that, that women get their, their, their due right going forward as they, they didn't in those days. And Anne had it a little bit, but not as much as Hannah did. And I think you captured both of them very well. Thanks. Um, I guess this sort of leads me to my next question, Becky, if that's okay with you. I was curious how you decided and why you decided to write from a female perspective and how that was for you writing from a fem, like a female perspective. And did you do any research for that leading up to that? Uh, like I said that earlier on that I have had uh, family members, uh, grandmother, mother, my wife and my daughter actually are very strong women. And I, I, I encouraged that with my daughter and I have always been a proponent of, of women and getting, you know, just that the, the, the rights that they have and their, their voice is heard. And when I was writing this, I, I again, I, I had the whole series in the back of my mind. So I knew what book number four and number three and all that were going to be about. And it does does go down the road of, uh, of for example, book number three with called Lizzie. It's definitely during the women's right to vote. And so I was using a lot of my family members as as role models into my characters that needed the women needed to be heard and writing from a woman's perspective is difficult from a man. And so I had a lot of input from my wife when she, she would read a lot of what I was writing and she would give me feedback. And so it did definitely uh, helped, but I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, see if I, some mistakes I made and some things I did. Okay. And, and uh, but hearing a lot from them, they were my role models as I was writing it. I love that. It brings to mind this, um, this uh, the concept of the present affecting the past. Because in a way, we're kind of, even though we're, it's historical fiction, in a sense, you are taking what's current and allowing it to um, infuse the characters of the past in this context, which I think is pretty cool. And a lot of the what you read in like or here in Jacob is something that will actually come out later on on the voices and the the credit being given back to the Hannahs and the Abigail Adams of the world um, come out a lot in book number three. And so I'm trying to tie all the books in together with a common common concept. Um, and it's not all about the, the rights of the, of the women; it's just the rights of everybody. And uh, the next book, Jed, is more of, as you saw towards the end of the book on Jacob, you saw Jedediah as a boy with his grandfather. The next book is Jed, and it's about him and raising his children. And yes, he does fulfill some of Hannah's requests and wishes that he does have some females in his, in him, his family, and that is Lizzie. And Lizzie will take on a much bigger role, um, not only in Jed, but also in the third book, which is called Lizzie. And so it's a, it's a whole dynamic of, of historical fiction, but I think there's a deeper, deeper uh, concept that I'm trying to portray out there. Um, Sam, I think we talked earlier, I think that you had a question about Hamilton. Oh, yes. <laughs> I found that was um, my other, another character that I was really nervous to voice because of, you know, I live in New York and Hamilton, I mean, I guess now everywhere, Hamilton is this huge hit and the show portrays 
I mean, Hamilton is a complex figure in the show and in your book, but I was curious, like how it was, when did you start writing about Hamilton and his wife in relation to when the show came out? And like, cause in the show, he's sort of a hero. And then in your book, he definitely is not. So I was, I, I found that so, I kept laughing cause I just thought it was so funny. The things would come out of his mouth or the fact that like Hannah thinks that um, Hamilton's wife is so snobby. And like, it was just really fun to juxtapose those two things because I've seen the show and I love it. And I was just curious how that, if that factored at all into anything you were writing. No, unfortunately it did not. As far as the music, I mean, the, the, the play goes, um, I did do some research on Hamilton and he was hugely involved in, in Washington's regime mm-hmm. and not only before the war, but after the war. And um, he's such an important part of our history. Um, but also with his wife, Elizabeth, um, I wanted to portray quite a few of the women that were in that role of, I'm going to take care of my husband and I'm going to, I'm going to take care of the household. And Hannah was so much against or not, not against it, but that wasn't what she saw as a woman. She wanted to aspire more from the woman's point of view. And Elizabeth was more, I'm going to take care of my husband Alexander and all the other women around in my circle should follow the same same path with taking care of my husband, having children, raising our family, taking care of the household, and and so I wanted to portray that as uh, as Hamilton being such an important part of the inner circle of Washington's regime, but also differentiating. Um, Hamilton and Washington as the Federalists, where you have the Monroes and the and the Madisons and the Jeffersons that are also the Republican Democrat that are not so much the Federalists. So it was kind of a breaking of the of the the river there that wasn't so much as far as the the play goes with Hamilton in the play, but it was a very important part of our history. But really didn't have much to do with the play itself. I think it's kind of interesting when we have two historical fiction pieces, you know, such as we do here with Hamilton, the musical, and Jacob, the book, and the same character being portrayed in very different ways. I think it speaks a lot to the whole historical fiction aspect. And really, that there's only so much that we can know about mm-hmm. any character from history, right? We have, you know, original records that can be researched, letters and such, but there's still quite a bit of interpretation, it seems, into trying to sort out what any person was like, what they were thinking, their relationships with others. Um, What kind of source material were you using, Jim? I'm just curious as to, you know, as you were doing your research, what what kind of uh, process, what was that like? A lot of the things I did in my research was basic, just historical books and my knowledge of history, but I also researched a lot with Abigail Adams and the letters that she wrote back and forth to John. And that's where I came up with the concept that Alexander Hamilton was considered the devil himself, because that was actually written once by Abigail to John. And so I knew that there was a friction there between that family and um, Hamilton himself, not so much Hamilton and, and his, his wife, but definitely with Hamilton, uh, they did not see eye to eye politically and also personally, even though they did try, try to appease some things, but they, they, they just didn't care for each other. And so um, when the 
when Hannah grew up um, with Abigail by her side and learned a lot from Abigail as to what she wanted to aspire as a woman. Um, the, the fun part about it was when actually she does meet face to face with Alexander Hamilton and his wife. And I wanted to portray it as, as a remembrance um, and a kudo back to her dear friend, Abigail, for what she thought of, of the two it was fun and that's the kind of research i like to do is not only just pick up a in the old days pick up the encyclopedia and look at uh regular history but kind of getting back into the the what what the actual person thought and a lot of the letters were just invaluable that i read um between the husband and wife of the adams and how was that scene for you and the um the one that jim was just referencing do you remember any Anything about the experiencing during that scene between those characters? I mean, he seemed, he's like a little bit sleazy <laughs> in that, in that scene where she meets him at the dinner. I do remember that because I was like, oh no, because again, I have this conflicting thoughts about Hamilton, which I also love about what you brought up, Becky, about how, how a historical fiction is historical fiction. We don't know. And also as humans, we have many different sides to us, right? So like, the show is written in one perspective, even though he Hamilton's a fleshed out character and you're Hamilton. We don't get to see a ton of him, but what we do, he has multiple sides as well, but still that isn't necessarily all his personality. So it was really fun, but he was a little bit lecherous, but I think you also wrote him. So um, he's obviously very, a brilliant human, which we, I love like when they meet him back at the steps, like when they go to New York, when Anne and Jacob go back, you know, and meet him in a different way. I just love how we see him meet a bunch of the characters, but we don't ever see his whole story. So that's like another like trajectory, which is, it was just sort of fun to play with. He was portrayed really as a, he was a brilliant man. And we know he was a brilliant man and portraying that a little bit about, um, you know, I know names and faces and I will never forget a face, never forget a number. Mm -hmm. um, so he was a brilliant man and he was once just a Washington sidekick and his, his, uh, you know, he would help out Washington in the early days be, to become the Secretary of Treasury down in his cabinet and then so forth. So we know how important he is in history and to bring him more of a personal part of him. I thought that I tried to portray that at that dinner table. The dinner table was actually a very exciting scene for me to, to write. It was fun um, to I, that was the, yeah, It was introducing Hannah to the rest of the inner circle and her kind mm -hmm. of trying to get in there to feel like she fit in. And if it wasn't for James Madison and Jefferson, I don't think she would have um, held her own. But then again, I thought she's a strong woman and she's going to hold her own. So I tried to portray both sides. Yeah. And I also loved reading the letters. John and Abigail, I really loved that relationship. And I love, I mean, Abigail is definitely one of my favorites. I was so sad when she when Hannah like wasn't communicating with her, I was almost mad. And Hannah, I was like, come on, she's your friend. You should be writing to her. Like what is happening? <laughs> um, but it was really fun to read her. She's uh, definitely like the godmother of what I see kind of happening, the pyramid of sort of character. She was really at the top. So it was fun. No, absolutely. That's, that's the portraying that I wanted her to be. And then the separation actually in history that did happen where they had the separation with Adams and Jefferson and their politically different um, avenues that they took. And then eventually coming back together, you know, and then dying on the same day. I thought that was uh, something that needed to be portrayed that they did have their differences, but did did come back together and uh, 
became very, very good friends through their letters um, towards the end of 1826. Let's pause for a moment. We'll be right back. There is nothing like a great book to transport you to new worlds. Here at Pro Audio Voices, we love working on projects that transport the listener. We pay attention to the details, like making sure we have actors that can clearly differentiate the character voices, making for a great listening experience. If you have a book that you would like to get into audio, and you're looking for a team with a personalized approach, Pro Audio Voices might be just the right fit. Come visit us at ProAudioVoices.com. One of the other things I think is great about, you know, those of you, uh, Jim, who are writing historical fiction is that we have this perception, I think, often that uh, the people who become the great figures of the past, you know, those who have achieved some great stature, we lose track of the fact that they, you know, started out just usually like everybody else, you know, growing up and not knowing that amazing things were going to happen in their lives. And so I think that that one of the things that you've achieved is is helping us, is reminding us of that. And I think that there's, that's kind of empowering as we all move forward on our journeys. Yeah, I appreciate that. That uh, It is, as you write, and, you know, hours and hours and days and days that you write, you're, you're writing as a free flow, and things are just coming out like, uh, I mean, grammatically they're incorrect, and, and the structure is not right. So you're just free flowing, but you want that, that somebody's going to read it down the road and, and get some meaning, not just enjoying the storyline, but enjoy, and getting something out of it historically. Like I say, with the, especially with the women's movement, of the rights of women, that uh, that their voice is heard. And I know I, I stretched it a little bit with Hannah being the, the mother of the Constitution, which obviously is fictional. But you never know. You never know if, if James Madison... Um, along with Dolly and along with other women, didn't that have a more of an impact at that time? We don't see it in history books, but it would be nice to know that they actually did. Um, they were, it was ahead of their time to be able to come right up and, and be noticed for it. But I tried to portray that maybe, maybe there was, maybe there was a possibility that there was a lot of women influence um, in James Madison and the rest of the, the Congress to, to have all this, this done and to develop our constitution. You never know. We won't know. Um, but it would be nice to know, knowing that, that how strong my wife and my daughter and my mother, and my grandmother were, um, that it definitely could have happened. Yeah. And I think we women appreciate the, um, that, you know, sort of showing up in the history books in even, you know, in the historical fiction version of that, because it, it calls to mind that, yeah, that, that is probably true, is that there was a lot more female presence than is acknowledged in history books that were written when women were not considered um, important enough to include. Right. Absolutely. I mean, they were, they were second class and everything was about the man, and I have a hard time believing that that was so. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Jim, I'm going to ask one of your questions to Sam. Mm-hmm. 
So Sam, was there a character, one of the many characters in Jacob that you would say that you identified the most with as you were narrating? Ooh, probably Anne. Probably Anne or Abigail. Maybe that's why I liked them. Um, they were just sort of no, especially, I mean, Abigail was like really no nonsense. And um, maybe my older self, I like want to be Abigail and maybe myself now is Anne because she was, you know, she's the adventure seeker and that's who I am, you know, and she really got Jacob to, you know, Jacob wasn't a big adventurer until she, or until her influence like came around. And um, yeah, I just, I really, I liked her. I thought she was feisty, but she was honest. I loved that, I know, I love that we got to see her, like, love New York, too, you know, and I live here, and be like, it's amazing, and then, like, be dancing all over the place, and I, I, um, yeah, I hated, I really, well, I don't want to spoil, but I really didn't like when, (laughs) what happened to her, (laughs) um, but I know that, like, that was also a real thing back then, you know, and disease is real, and I I thought that was an interesting way to weave sort of our lack of medical and healthcare into the story, um, but yeah, I thought she, yeah, she was the most fun to me, read. She was mischievous, and I liked that, and I related to that. <laughs> so as far as the characters go, as far as you identifying yourself the most with, was there any actual um, setting or incident or uh, scene that captured your attention the most where you might have wanted to put it on pause and recompose yourself or recollect yourself, or maybe I, I didn't, you didn't maybe not say, uh, narrate it the way you would like to because of the impact it was and come back and do it a second time or what actually uh, hit you the most uh, emotionally um, as you were reading it. Oh yeah. I had a few moments where I just lost it in the booth. I was so upset. <laughs> I think her death, I think when, like when she collapsed in the, like I knew, I like, I knew that's where you were going with it. And I, that got me. And then also, oh, and then when he was in the graveyard and Washington came, comes and, and like they have his, he has his, Jacob and Washington have this moment because like that's such a mentor of hers. And even though they ended up having sort of different political views, but not like that just scene, I, you know, yeah, I think anybody who's gone through a serious loss would be affected by those scenes. Those two particularly. I think there were a couple of a couple more, but those are the two that stick in my memory. Yeah, well, it's, kind of, it's kind of nice to hear that because as we align between writer and narrator, um, it's nice because those are some of the impactful times when I'm writing. Because not only are you reading it, you are affected. Um, to tell you the truth, the writer also, you know, you see kind of silly things that the writer is is dropping tears over the, the computer as he's writing or she's writing. It actually happens. So those times when uh, are impactful to the writer was the times of the of the death and also of the the the, the scene when Washington comes up and. Uh, a lot, lot of it was um, towards the end when Jacob and Jed, because I knew what was coming up next with the second book and then the uh, relationship that grandfather had with grandson towards the end of the book uh, was very impactful for me personally. And uh, knowing that Jed was going to be the entire book of the second, second book, um, it was, it was hard, to, hard to write it because it was pretty emotional. Yeah, I'm sure. And I think what's really true is that those moments both 
on the writing side and on the narrating side, those moments that are really felt, you know, on an emotional level are the ones that then translate right out to the listener, you know, um, and we feel that, you know, in listening to the scenes, we fully get it. I so strongly believe that not that even though we're not in the same room with the listener, you know, the, the storyteller is not in the same room with the listener, that the, the emotional experience translates fully through the mic, through the, you know, through time, because uh, we're, we're time traveling in a bit, in, in a way, th- by, um, through the recording process. So we're doing a bit of a time travel, right? So we record at one point and then we're, someone else is listening in another place, time and place. And, but that storytelling experience can be so powerful. And these moments that you're, you know, that you're referencing are, uh, I think, some of the things that draw us back into, uh, you know, more and more and more. We want more and more and more because it makes us, you know, just remind, reminds us of how fully human we are when we can experience those, that full range of emotions. And that's the love of historical fiction is that, yes, it is history, but the, uh, the, the human component of that you know, can't really be portrayed um, unless you throw a little bit of fiction in there and actually put characters in there, then, then you really bring the human point into the story and the emotional point in the story instead of just reading um, very dry history books. Uh, historical fiction brings the emotional part in it. Now, I do have a question, uh, and more Samantha, is, and I didn't write this down, but I'm noticing talking with you is that um, listening to your narrating through the entire book of Jacob, I noticed that there was quite a bit of an English accent. I don't hear that now. Is that something that you portrayed more or are you actually do you actually have a natural English accent nope (laughs) I um when I submitted my audition you know you asked for there's like a colonial accent and I was doing research and we don't know what that is and so I was talking to the director of casting and I was like I think I'm gonna go like a little bit more British with it but like it's a very it's not a hard like RP and Mm -hmm. uh because, you know, when we came over, we had our English from the UK. And, and, um, sure. but so I tried to soften it. So hopefully it works. But no, this is my normal voice. It was completely okay. Yeah. And it, that, and that took a little bit uh, as I went on, it got easier. But, you know, I don't talk like that every day. But here I was spending hours and hours in this dialect that's not mine. <laughs> so, but I found that also almost easier to get into it. Like it'd be like my, okay, well now I'm narrating because I'm in this dialect. Um, and then I didn't, I don't have to think about it after a while. Well, I think it's fantastic that you were able to, cause you're right during that time, colonial times, most women and men had uh, still the, the English accent cause we didn't lose it for decades later. Exactly. And for you, for you to portray that, I thought that was outstanding. And that actually kind of helps me knowing going forward into Lizzie, which goes from 1880 to 1920, that we don't have that English oh, accent point. as much in, those, in that time period. So yeah, it's, it's, it uh, 
I was very, very impressed. I thought it was natural for you. And it shows a lot of strength on your part and, and talent that you can actually go back to that time period and speak that, that with that language or that accent. Thanks. It's all my well, heater. Well done. <laughs> well done. At the end of a long session, did you find that when you left the booth, you were continuing on in that accent? Ooh, I don't know. I'd have to ask my boyfriend. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. But no, but there was something I was doing. I'm narrating a piece right now where I came like a musically toned, like a little bit esque woman, or maybe she's like a little bit mix of Anne and Hannah and the way I'm narrating her. And I did say a word and I was like, nope, wrong dialect. Like I just like slipped back into, it was like hope. It was the word hope. And I was like, I hope, oh, nope, that's not how we say that. <laughs> so I don't know. It's still there. Still kind of Jacob's still percolating. So I, was wonderfully I, done. I think it's really uh, interesting that uh, today is July 3rd that we're recording this, um, which seems so pertinent, uh, so appropriate uh, that we're recording this so close to celebrating 4th of July. And um, any any special thoughts on... Uh, that celebration, Jim, and how you does does your writing of these uh, this series of historical fiction does that impact the way you feel about that holiday at all? Oh, absolutely. I and mean, there's a lot of references in, in the Book of Jacob that reference July Fourth. Um, yeah. Several, you know, the 1776. Um, going back later on, where they're in the courtyard of of Culpepper and they're watching the fireworks and even to the end of the book where he's still, you know, July 4th, 1826, when we lost our two great, you know, patriots. And so throughout the book, July 4th um, is, is just astronomical as far as the importance of that date and the uh, beginning of our country and the continuation of our country as it evolves from, I mean, you take from, women's rights, slavery, through, I mean, everything that has evolved in our culture, um, July 4th is, is just the utmost of importance of what it symbolizes for this country. And would you say that there is a, any, um, I think you may have touched on this already a little bit, but I'm going to ask in a slightly different way, any particular either theme or message that you really hope that your audiobook listeners and readers of your book will uh, pick up and take with them as the message or theme that you that you're dealing with. Absolutely, faith, family, and, and friends, and then or you can go faith, family, and country. And those those three things um, are the utmost of the ongoing theme of of every and each one of my books. And we have our faith and we have our family and there's nothing more important than, than those aspects. You throw in patriotism and country and, and you know, everything, friends and all that can be sub contents of that. But the most important is faith and family. And I, I, I know when I, I say it a lot in the books. And so that would be the utmost, what I would like to portray to all the readers and the listeners um, going forward that that's the most important theme that I would have with all the, all the books. That's great. Um, I'm going to ask a question that, you know, the word patriotism these days sometimes has um, challenging contexts and there can be a lot of uh, 
disagreement about what that means. So I would love it if you would share what it means for you. I think that patriotism is is what we learn our own, what we believe in, what we stand for. Uh, what is it's not given to us. Um, it's something that we have fought for for years and continue to fight for. Um, and it's the most important thing, as I say, is is we have a God above that is is as far as now has blessed us with a wonderful country, and we I think have an obligation and and um, to continue to teach that to our children. And so that's where the family comes in. That the family is so important that we not only are identified as examples of what is so important that has been has been fought with sacrifice to have a country that we have that's nothing that you can see throughout the world. And to uphold that and continue on that is going to continue to take some sacrifice and fighting. But we need to teach our children. Our children need to teach their children and so forth and so on. And that's where the enjoyment of writing a series of books on the same family, generation to generation, that they know that family is so important and the, the concept of where they live, how they got there, what, what, what it was it took them to get there is so important to teach others and teach our children. I think one of the other, um, one of the other messages that I experienced in listening to the audiobook is about how, about strength of character and honoring our strengths in ourselves and each other because we don't know where we're going or you know, we don't know what's coming down the road. We don't know if, you know, what kinds of decisions we're going to be forced to make or have to make, you know, what we'll be faced with. And so that um, the honoring of the self and the honoring of the, the family and the community that become a part of how we make decisions, right? Believing in each other. And supporting each other, which I, I think really comes back to what you're talking about with uh, with family. Uh, so true. I mean, we we are all in this together. I mean, you know, you never knew Jacob, George Washington, Jefferson, Monroe, Madison. None of them back there. They had a, they had a vision, and they they were they, they didn't know if it would succeed or not, but they had a vision and and building their character so that they can pass that on to the next generation and the next generation, the next generation. It wasn't a given. Nobody knew it would succeed or not. And to be quite, quite frankly, we still don't know if it's going to continue to succeed. So it's going to, it's an ongoing process that will never end. And so we just need to, to build our character and build our children's character so that they know that, that there's so, it's so important. Patriotism is so important and the love of country, love of, the family and, and love of our God. It's so important that needs to be, needs to be at the forefront. Right. So thank you, Jim Wetton, author of Jacob and Samantha Cooper, the narrator for that historical fiction novel. Thank you so much for being here today. It's been really delightful. Thanks, Becky. Thanks, Jim. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us for Audiobook Connection, behind the scenes with the creative teams. Please take a moment to subscribe at audiobookconnection.com. The podcast is sponsored by Pro Audio Voices, helping great stories come alive through audiobook production and marketing. 
Learn more at ProAudioVoices.com. Again, thanks for being with us, and please join us next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.